This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Good evening to all of you. It's come to my attention that last night I left you unintentionally with a bit of a cliffhanger. A number of you have asked me, whatever happened to that girl from the gas station? I hope the message had more of an impact than that, but it's a good question. So I'll tell you, I continue to have contact very regularly with that girl from the gas station. In fact, I have seen her or talked to her every day for the last 21 and a half years because I married that girl from the gas station. If you'd like to, yes, I, with young people, you always get the, oh, yes. We've been married for 21 and a half years. She's the Associate Director of It Is Written Canada, and we have been in ministry together for those 21 and a half years. If you'd like to meet her, you stop by our booth there in the exhibit hall. We are thankful to God that He has blessed us with the opportunity to work together as a ministry team. We are thankful, and I am thankful to have had the opportunity to be with you here at GYC. I only pray that I have been as much of a blessing as I have been blessed by all of you. The number of people who have prayed for and with me has been overwhelming. Debbie and I have no children. Through an intentional decision on our part, that God led us to, that we might dedicate our lives fully to ministry. And it has given us the opportunity to minister to young people in a way that we might not have been able to minister had we had children. And so, while we don't have any biological children, we believe that we have youth and young adults that are our children all across North America and around the world. So GYC has a very special place in our hearts. And we're thankful to be here. Tonight we're going to continue our journey in Isaiah chapter 60. And I will tell you, I have found it quite amazing that as the various speakers for the various plenary sessions and for the morning worship have come all from far away and different places in We didn't have a meeting to coordinate with one another how God coordinated messages that are a cohesive unit leading each of us on a path to Jesus Christ that we might arise and shine for Him. Tonight, as I share with you this last time, it is my prayer that God will pour out His Spirit in abundance. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come here. Many of these young people, youth and young adults, have been here for the better part of a week, up late, up early, Praying long, praying hard, learning, soaking in the power of your Holy Spirit. And tonight, as we engage in study once again, we know that on our own ability, on our own intellect, we have nothing. But through the power of your Holy Spirit, we can be convicted. and transformed, and changed, and made anew. And so our greatest prayer tonight 
is that as we leave this place, that we would be different than when we first came. We want to draw nearer to you, Lord, and we pray that your Spirit would be poured out in great abundance. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On Thursday night, as we studied, we talked about the reality that as we are called to shine, God must first arise over us. He must rise. Last night, we we studied the reality that each of us need to arise, but first we need need to die. Casting away those things which pull us away from Him, that we might live for Him. You must arise. Do you believe that God has done that in your life? Do you believe that God has arisen in your life? Do you believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, He's changed you this week? I hope you do, because the promise of God's Word is that as we make a decision to live for Him, He is faithful and He is true. The One who began a good work in us We'll finish that work. We do not need to leave this place doubting whether God has done what He promised to do. If He promised it, it is done. And so now tonight, as we look at this passage, we come to the dramatic conclusion. And I need to tell you, there's no huge preamble, no big story. And here it is with supreme profundity. You will shine. Some of you are saying, but there's got to be more. You will shine. Isaiah 60 is simple. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will will be seen upon upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And here's what I don't want you to miss. Take note. The passage is not an invitation for you to try to shine. Let me say it again so you don't miss it. The passage is not an invitation for you to try to shine. The passage simply says, shine. It is a promise that because of the redemptive power of God in our lives and the personal and real presence of God in our lives, We will shine. It is a guarantee. It is a promise. And if we are not shining, there is a more fundamental question that we must ask ourselves. Have we really laid it all down? But tonight, embracing the promise that we have laid it down, that we have laid our Isaac down, that we have let go of the brick, embracing the promise of His Word, we will shine. Isaiah 60 tells us fundamentally the challenge that is faced Darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. Those two words, darkness and deep darkness, rather interesting Hebrew words, two different words. The first one 
is the same word that is used to describe the plague of darkness in Egypt. Literally translated, obscurity. The world is in obscurity. Obscurity of what? The second word, deep darkness, answers the question. That word, deep darkness, those two words are one Hebrew word, is literally translated thick darkness, and it is the identical word used to describe the veiling of the glory of God and the exact word used to describe the darkness that enveloped His appearance on Mount Sinai. What is the passage of Isaiah 60 saying? Certainly the darkness is a reference to the wickedness of the world, but it is more deplorable than that. The world is dark. It is darkened to the reality by a misunderstanding of the character and love of God. And God is calling His last day people to arise and shine the glory of God, the character of God. And there are several passages throughout the Bible that describe the exact same thing going on. Isaiah 60 is a last day's passage. Isaiah 60 is the most relevant passage for the 21st century. In no other time in this earth's history has God's character been more obscured. Do you know what the fastest growing religious group is in North America? Don't take joy in saying the Seventh-day Adventist church. The fastest growing religious group in North America is the nuns. Not N-U-N-S, the N-O-N-E-S's. What does that mean? People who have no religious affiliation. They describe themselves as individuals who are spiritual but not religious. They've given up on the church and fundamentally when you study this group of individuals who have given up on religion, they have given up on religion because they have simply said there's no difference between what's happening there and what's happening out here and what's happening out here is more fun than what's happening in there. And God is calling His people to arise and then you will shine. But how is that accomplished? If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 24. You know Matthew chapter 24 well. Matthew chapter 24, the signs of the times. Jesus took his disciples to the Mount of Olives and there he shared with them the signs that would occur before his coming. You know it well. False Christs and false prophets would arise. There would be wars and rumors of war. You know all of this. He said nation would rise against nation. There would be pestilences and famines and earthquakes. There would be false prophets. You know this. It has happened throughout time and in these last days with greater intensity. But there, right in the midst of Matthew 24, there are a few verses that at first glance seem like they're almost out of place. But when you look at them more closely, you see that they're in the exact right place. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. Notice what the Bible says. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. This word lawlessness is a direct reference to the law of God. Jesus says that lawlessness will abound. There will be a time when society not only abandons God's law, but will actually rebel against it. And as we look around the world today, it doesn't take a PhD to figure out. It doesn't take a theologian to figure out. This is being fulfilled right in our midst. A lawless society. But Jesus says even further that the love of many will grow cold. The word there, love, is the Greek word agape. 
literally translated to esteem, to have affection for, to have high regards for. That phrase, to grow cold, it beckons the imagery in the original Greek language of a flame that is, or a fire that is being extinguished or snuffed out. It is a defining moment of the last days when society will reject the very governance of God and His law and then will embrace a loveless society where love simply has been extinguished. Lawlessness, lovelessness will encompass the earth. Isaiah 60 called it Darkness. Lawlessness. The law is a revelation of God's character. Lovelessness. Love. God is love. The manifestation of God's character. You see, God's character will be extinguished. The full-on assault of Satan in these last days is to obscure the character of God, that darkness would cover the land, people wouldn't know who God really is. And then Jesus says in verse 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. That word there, he who endures, the enduring there, should bring to mind another verse. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12. What does it say? And here is the patience, which is also translated endurance. Here is the endurance of the saints. Here are they that do what? Keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. You see, to endure to the end means that you are an individual that is filled with the faith of Jesus. And out of that faith of Jesus, your love toward Him leads you to obedience in Him. And then what will happen? In God's greatest counterattack to Satan's attack of a world filled with lawlessness and lovelessness and darkness covering the earth, Jesus then said these words. Matthew 24, 14, and don't miss it. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the Bible says, and then the end will come. It is the most definitive time prophecy as to the coming of Jesus. You see, God's counterattack to Satan's attack of lawlessness and lovelessness is this gospel. I want you to take note, though, it's important. It doesn't say the gospel. Now, let me ask you a question, and I know, I know the answer. GYC, do you believe that the Bible is inspired? Let me ask one more time just to make sure. GYC, do you believe the Bible is inspired? I feel better now. When Matthew wrote these words, he carefully chose the word this. It's a small word. Some of you are saying, why are you making such a big deal? The word this is a demonstrative. If you don't like literature, stay with me. I failed literature class and I'm telling you, so stay with me. This is a demonstrative. It could be a demonstrative pronoun or a demonstrative adjective. Some of you are saying, this is crazy. Like, what are you talking about this now? The word this here in the original seems to be a demonstrative adjective. It appears that Jesus is trying to demonstrate that there is a distinct message in the last days that will go forth to extinguish the darkness, the lawlessness, and the lovelessness of this earth. It is no accident that later in the New Testament, Paul warns of a perversion of the gospel. I marvel that you are now turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. 
Why would Matthew use this word, this? Why would Matthew say this gospel must go forward? Could it be that Jesus was trying to communicate with us? That he has a specific mission for his church in the last days. He has a specific mission for his people. He has a specific mission for GYC. He has a specific mission for you in these last days as his counterattack to the lawlessness and lovelessness of the world. So what is this gospel? Let us first be very clear. It's not some ethereal thing that's out there. It is not a theoretical device and it's not a theological debate. In order to answer the question, we need to go to a different passage. Did Jesus ever clearly articulate what this gospel is? If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21. Universally, commentators believe that this marks the commencement of Jesus' ministry. Luke has deliberately put this story at the beginning of the public ministry of Jesus to encapsulate and demonstrate to us what the entire ministry of Jesus was to be and in fact informs us what this gospel is. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 21, the Bible says this, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And then Jesus read these words. Here it is. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It is interesting to note that Jesus reading the passage of Scripture, it is a combination of Isaiah 58 and Isaiah 61. This is very important because Isaiah 58, 59, 60, 61, and 62 form what is called in theological terms a chiastic structure. What does that mean in very simple terms? Isaiah 60 says how God is going to accomplish His mission. And those passages surrounding it, Isaiah 58, Isaiah 61, tell us what He's going to do to accomplish the the mission that He has set forth. It seems that Luke, placing this at the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus, has tried to help us understand the total encapsulation of what Jesus was to do and answer the question, what is this gospel? First, it is to preach to the poor. The poor in this passage are a group and it has a broad definition. It certainly can mean those who are economically disadvantaged, but it is also those who are oppressed, those who are disillusioned and in need of God's help, those who are lacking spiritual worth or sense that they're lacking spiritual worth. This gospel is to go and share the good news of the victory of Jesus Christ and help people see the true and real character of God. That we can share with them that a God of love will not burn people for eternity. That a God of love would not allow you to float as an entity around your brothers and sisters after you have died but not be able to participate with them. A God of love would not make you wonder whether your family member is in heaven or in hell, but rather resting in the grave. We can demonstrate to a world who Jesus is 
That He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who touches the economically poor, the emotionally poor, and the spiritually poor. The call of Jesus to His people in a lawless and loveless society is to share good news that Jesus is the lover of all peoples and His, a life in Him, will bring order and stability. John chapter 3 and verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. There are too many preachers on TV who are condemning the world. There are too many people condemning the world. What the world needs is a dose of hope, and that hope will come through you. Arise. Shine. This gospel is also defined as the healing of the brokenhearted. Jesus wasn't just concerned with the physical or spiritual, but He was, in, he was concerned with the entire nat- nature of humankind. Jesus was called the great physician. He met physical needs, emotional needs, mental needs, social needs, spiritual needs. He had concern for the whole person. He wanted to restore wholeness in an individual. And while in the English language, brokenhearted is often used to describe an emotion, this word encompasses even more. These are individuals who have been broken by sin, who have regret and are looking for healing. Jesus demonstrated this ministry through the first chapters of the book of John. John chapter 2, as Jesus went to the wedding of Cana, He healed a social need. In John chapter 3, as He dealt with Nicodemus, He dealt with a social need, a spiritual need. In John chapter 4, as Jesus dealt with the woman at the well, He dealt with an emotional, physical, and spiritual need. And that goes all the way through then in the climax in John chapter 8. The woman caught in adultery. Where the Bible gives evidence and the spirit of prophecy clarifies. The very individuals that caught the woman in adultery and cast her before Jesus. Had actually committed the very act with her. And Jesus does something that is so transformational as the woman caught in adultery is caught there laying before Him. He crouches down and He begins to write in the dirt. The Scriptures give clear evidence that what Jesus was writing there in the dirt was the sins of her accusers. And then he comes to that point where I'm sure the woman was weeping in front of him. And he asks her that question. Woman, where are your accusers? And we often say they had all left. It's not a true statement. There's only one that could stand and accuse her. And it was Jesus. But aren't you glad that Jesus is not the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says that He is our advocate. He is the one that stands by our side. And so when He asks this rhetorical question to the woman, then He takes her by the hand and He says, Woman, now go and sin no more. He healed her broken heart, her physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual needs. But there's another group of people that Jesus ministered to that day. We often miss out on who He ministered to that day. He ministered to those accusers. Because Jesus wrote their sins where? In the sand, in the ground, in the dirt. Which later in the day the wind would blow it all away. Because Jesus had come into the world to heal the world and He is inviting us to join Him in His mission of proclaiming this gospel. 
This gospel is to proclaim liberty to the captives. The captivity that Jesus came to announce is freedom from sin. While Satan attempts to hold people in bondage, Jesus came to free them from bondage. There is little doubt that while Jesus' ministry was comprehensive in nature and included the whole person, deliverance from sin was the ultimate goal of His ministry. I can tell you, friends... I travel all around Canada. I travel around the world. And I can tell you there are millions and millions of people that are waiting for someone to bring them hope that there is a way out of the destitution that they are living in. Arise and shine. Jesus is coming soon. We can proclaim freedom. Because Jesus promises a real, a real presence where we can come to Him, confess our sins. He can forgive us our sins, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then as 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The propitiation. The atonement. Jesus Christ will give us victory as we claim the promise, receive His forgiveness. We can announce this good news. This gospel is to recover sight of the blind. And whether you've been born spiritually blind or have had some type of experience to cause your blindness, the Messiah's mission was to restore the sight of the blind. Spiritual blindness has often been caused by the church itself and the members of it. The recovery of sight begins with us that God would heal us, that then we can provide the hope in recovering that sight to the blind. This gospel is to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus brings liberty rather than just proclaiming it. This is an illusion to, excuse me, an allusion to Isaiah 58, 6. Jesus Jesus brings liberty. Freedom from injustice is found in Him and only in Him. And then Jesus ended the passage saying that this Gospel is to proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. You see, the ministry of Jesus was to bring the dawning of a new time. His ministry was to bring deliverance in that present time for sure. Hope for today. But there was a greater freedom to come. Jesus arrived on the earth as a suffering servant to deliver people now. But His mission as suffering servant would not be the complete mission. He would come a second time as the conquering King. And our role in His role was to announce that Jesus is coming again. We cannot find hope in the governments of the world. We cannot find hope in businesses of the world. We cannot find hope in tax cuts. We find hope in Jesus Christ. And here's the interesting thing. Jesus, when He read this passage, did not read the last phrase of Isaiah 61. That last phrase... And the day of vengeance of our God. You see, for because the patriotic Jew, for the patriotic Jew, the climax of the passage was the day of vengeance coming upon the Gentiles. They believed that salvation was for them alone. And it was a day of retribution for the Gentiles. And so for the Jews, the idea of salvation was a matter of nationality 
rather than personal submission. They were blinded to the true nature of the mission of Christ. They expected the Messiah to appear as a powerful prince at the head of a mighty army to vanquish their oppressors. But the focus of Jesus was on the deliverance of individuals, providing salvation. And I don't want you to get the wrong idea. The focus of Jesus here on deliverance does not negate His justice. However, His mission was one that concentrated and focused its efforts on the salvation and deliverance of humankind. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. What we are talking about here, my dear friends, is the practical gospel lived out by God's people. The answer to the darkness that is sweeping across the earth, the answer to the lawlessness and lovelessness of the earth is not legislation from a government, but it is for God's people to arise and shine forth the glory and character of God. Just a few days ago, some of you who live in California, there were record numbers of calls to 911 because there was a light in the sky that was mysterious. Is it a UFO? Are they coming to attack us? It was the launching of the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. But see, the light illuminated the sky, pierced the darkness, made people nervous. Here's the question for your local Seventh-day Adventist church. Are there people calling 911 saying there is illumination coming from this building? People are loving and kind and gracious and merciful and we don't know what to do with them because it's just kind of odd. You see, God says arise, shine. This gospel is the same message of Revelation 14.6 and the everlasting gospel. And here's the interesting thing. Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18 and verse 1. And after these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with His glory. That word illuminated is the identical word used in Isaiah chapter 60 for shine. You see, the call of God's people in these last days is to illuminate that call of Revelation 18. Fallen is Babylon. My dear friends, that is why the fastest growing religious group is those who have no religious affiliation. They are seeing Babylon is bankrupt. There's nothing to offer in the religious confusion of the day. And so God raised up the remnant people with a belief system constructed in heaven itself. And we have to have debates and fights about what we believe. God has constructed the most relevant belief system ever known to mankind. And today, now, the most relevant thing we can do is arise and shine and demonstrate the love and character of God. Have you personally experienced the gospel in your own life? Have you heard the good news of victory and believed? Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're broken. Maybe your life has bore out tragedy. I don't know what your story is. But Jesus today reaches out His nail-scarred hands and says, Come to Me. I will bring you healing. I will arise over you. Now you, arise. I will bring you the assurance of salvation. The Scripture is clear. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is calling you, friend. He's calling you to come home and experience His joy. He's calling you to arise and shine. You will shine. Paul used a different illustration. 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. The Bible says this, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. You see, to shine is to have the aroma that leads people to life. But we're facing a challenge. It's the Laodicean challenge. We're poor, wretched, miserable, and naked, and we don't even know it. What's your aroma? Let me make it a little more raw. What do you smell like? Have you ever visited a pig farm before? The fact that you can smell them usually miles away often helps us not to want to visit one. I used to sell insurance. One day I called upon a pig farmer to sell him life insurance. I will never forget that journey. A journey that began several miles from his home. And I'll never forget asking myself the question, how could somebody live here? And as I went down his lane, the stench grew worse and worse, watering my eyes. Don't miss the illustration. But after I had been there for 10 or 15 minutes, I didn't even notice the smell. Is it possible that our churches, which God has called to shine in our communities, are emitting a stench that is death leading to death? But the promise of God is that can change. That's why you're here. Arise and shine. You see, people will often talk to me and say, well, my church this and my church that and my church that, my conference this, my union that, my division this. If you are waiting for a church board action, if you are waiting for an action of the general conference to arise and shine, we are going to wait another 173 years before Jesus comes. It doesn't start there. It starts here. A decision for each of us. The promise of God is that we will arise and shine. It's not complicated. Jesus made it simple. But because we had forgotten... He called a prophet to point us back to the simplicity and she wrote these words 112 years ago. The world needs today what it needed 1900 years ago. A revelation of Christ. A great work of reform is demanded and it is only through the grace of Christ that the work of restoration, physical, mental, and spiritual can be accomplished. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled among men as one who desired their good. He showed His sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, won their confidence, then He bade them follow Me. There is a need of coming close to the people by personal effort. If less time were given to sermonizing and more time were spent in personal ministry, greater results would be seen. The poor are to be relieved. The sick cared for, the sorrowing and the bereaved comforted, the ignorant instructed, the inexperienced counseled. 
I'm sorry. The bereaved comforted, the ignorant instructed, the inexperienced counseled. We are to weep with those that weep, rejoice with those that rejoice, accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, the power of the love of God. This work will not, cannot be without fruit. The call of Jesus to arise and shine is a call that each of us would be a revelation of Christ, a living epistle in our neighborhood, a living epistle in our home. It's not complicated. And it starts in our home. Parents, how do you treat your children? Do you pray with your children? Do you love your children unconditionally? It's not complicated. Did you smile at the room attendant this morning? Did you thank your server? Were you the extension of Jesus in someone's life today? Two years ago, Debbie and I visited Laodicea. And for years, I've preached the Laodicean message the same way. You know it. I wish you were hot or cold. For years, I've always preached, you've got to be hot. You've got to be hot. Go and be hot. But that's not what the passage says. You have to be hot or cold. When you stand in Laodicea and you look off to the mountains, you see what looks like a snow-covered mountain, but it is actually a calcified mountain the hot waters of Hierapolis. Hierapolis is a place that it is believed that Cleopatra went to soak in the hot water baths to be healed of dermatological issues. Laodicea was so rich that they built aqueducts from the hot water of Hierapolis that brought healing and soothing to people to bring down to Laodicea. But Laodicea, you see, they had their own water source, but they didn't like their water source because their water source was heavily mineralized. So they also wanted cold water. And there is another mountain upon which they built aqueducts to bring in cold water. And cold water serves as refreshment, revitalizing water. But the problem is, is you see, as both of those waters came down the aqueducts, By the time they arrived at Laodicea, they were lukewarm. Have you ever had a hot drink like Roma or maybe a nice herbal tea? And you set it on the table and you forget about it. And then you go back to take a sip. Generally, our reaction in a very official way is something like this. Oh. And that is what God is calling his people out of. He does not need a people who on this earth are simply, eh. He needs people who are hot who brings soothing and healing to the earth. But he needs people who are cold, who refresh the earth and revitalize the earth. The call of Laodicea is to be hot or cold, to bring refreshment, to bring soothing, to bring revitalization. Arise and shine. Open your ear to your neighbors. You are called. Jesus desires that He would finish the work in you and then finish the work through you. The time is now to stop talking about Jesus finishing the work in this generation 
The time is to start living out the mission so He will finish the work in this generation. Arise and shine. How are they going to hear? Who will go? How will they know? How will they ever find the truth if we don't go? We need to stop trying to convert people. And we need to start finding the people that God is already converting and lead them on the path to the celestial city. Millions waiting for you to shine. Millions waiting for you to be the aroma of life leading to life. Millions waiting for you to be the soothing, hot, healing water. Millions waiting for you to be the cool, refreshing, revitalizing water of the earth. How will they find the truth if we don't arise and shine? Tonight, do you hear and sense that God is calling you to work in your local church, to go back to your community tomorrow or Monday, and to shine in your community tonight? Do you sense that God is calling you to arise and shine? in your local church and local community, if you sense that call, I invite you to stand. That you would commit yourself to being a light in your local church and community. That you would be active and involved in Bible studies, in community programs, and community service. But once again tonight, I want to make three appeals, specific appeals for people to come forward. Once again, I want to give the invitation. On my left, on your right. If you sense that God is calling you to commit your life to Him fully, never to look back and be baptized, I want you to come right in front of this screen here. You sense that God is calling you to far more than what you have been. You come right over here to the left, to your right. Maybe you need to be rebaptized. You've come from far away. You've come from near. You've wandered from the Lord Jesus Christ. You won't be coming by yourself. There's people here already. You come forward and commit your life to Him. You're watching at home. You get a hold of a local pastor and you, you commit yourself to being baptized. Second, some of you are sensing God's calling to mission service. There are some specific things tonight. You sense God is calling you to full-time mission service. To be one of those thousand teachers in Indonesia with Adventist aviation. If you're one of them, you come right here in the front, right here in the front. Maybe you sense God calling you to one of the great cities of Pennsylvania and working with the Simplicity team. You come forward right here. Don't hesitate. Let the Lord lead you. Maybe God's calling you to go to the Northern New England Conference and, and work with the Olive Branch Cafe so you can learn how to run a vegan cafe so then you can go back home to your community and open up a vegan cafe that ministers to the community or maybe you're sensing God calling you to run a, a modern day version of what Ellen White called a hydrotherapy room. Today they call them spas. That you would come and run massage and healing. You come forward right here. Maybe you've sensed God calling you to go and learn from the Total Health Spokane team in the Upper Columbia Conference, you come right here in the front and commit yourself 
to service. Or maybe God's calling you to the Middle East with Mena. To go and be a part of the Waldensian student program where you go and take your schooling. But you serve as a missionary in the universities. Maybe he's called you to go to Mena as a tent maker. Maybe you're a doctor. Maybe you're a nurse. Maybe you're a business person. And you want to go be the aroma of life leading to life in that place where there is such a dim light. Maybe you want to go to a place that is absolutely remote. I visited there at the end of November, Nunavut, the far north of Canada, the size of Western Europe, 25 communities, 40,000 Inuit people, the Eskimos. It is truly the last unreached people group in North America. 98% of the people there don't know Jesus. Maybe you want to go to Nunavut and work as a tent maker. You want to be a business person and share the love of Christ. This is not a general call, but you sense God calling you into mission service. Or maybe it's some place that I have not named. You come forward. There's things that you can text. Someone will follow up with you. And you know, just as I was coming up here, I talked to my friend Nathan in the back and I asked him to put one more item on that text. Maybe you sense God is calling you into full-time ministry through the church. Maybe you sense God calling you to be a Bible worker. Maybe you sense God calling you to be a pastor. Maybe you sense God calling you to be an evangelist. I want you to come down. We need to raise up the next generation of biblically faithful evangelists, biblically faithful pastors, biblically faithful Bible workers. You come down. If you're at home, you can text 313131 and in the subject line, GYC serve. Today's the day. God doesn't need another tornado. He doesn't need another pestilence. He doesn't need another disaster. He's waiting for his last day people to arise, shine the glory of the Lord. Tonight as our ladies' quartet sings, how will they hear? Maybe you're wrestling as you stand. And you fall into one of these categories to be baptized, to go serve as a full-time missionary, or to serve the church full-time in ministry. Pray. If you sense God moving you, you come down in the midst of this song as these ladies hear, as these ladies sing, may he move upon our hearts. Darkness overshadows the little village of his birth, his family all asleep, he lies alone. Gazing up toward heaven, a little tear falls to the earth, and he wonders if his sorrows here are known. His body racked with pain, from his father sharp disdain.
brows creased and wrinkled, his hands were calloused hard, his hair was gray, his body stooped with age. But his eye possessed a twinkle, and his gaze shot through my heart. His voice was strong, he looked at me and said, The harvest fields are white, and I have labored all my life. Now who will go and stand in my place? The people there must hear that Jesus Christ is near. Step forward now, the work of God embrace. How will they hear? How will they know? How will they ever find the truth if we don't go? How can we fear God's love to show? Jesus desires every child his love to know. of you who have come forward, please don't leave this place until they have scanned your badge. If you have not been scanned, you come and stay right here. You wait all night if you have to for somebody to scan that badge. Don't leave this place without covenanting covenanting with God to make a difference and shine in this world. And to all of us who have stand, we have committed We have committed to shine in our local community. Arise and shine. And then the end will come. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Father. most in this room stand here tonight and covenant to you to arise and shine in their local church, in their local community, in their home, in their neighborhood, that they would be an aroma of life leading to life, that they would be a living epistle, that they would be a revelation of Christ. Please, dear God, work in us and work through us that you might finish the work on this And then there are those, Lord, that have come forward, some dedicating their life to you through baptism. I pray that you would make this decision secure. Others have come forward in a decision to serve in full-time missionary capacity. Give them clarity in their mind as to where they will go and how they will serve. And may there be diligence in following up those decisions. And tonight there are some who have come forward who have given their hearts and said, I want to be in full-time 
service for the church as a Bible worker, as a pastor, as an evangelist. Lord, we believe that this is the final generation that you have called. And tonight we covenant with you that by your power, by your might, and by your spirit, that we will arise and shine because Jesus is coming soon. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.